Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, this is Amanda. Hello. And this is Matt. Hi. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, with Matt, we're Hello. discussing book 13, Small Gods. Yeah. This is one of your favorites, is it not? Yes. And also Matt, one and of also, your favorites. And also Matt. Matt picked this one specifically because <laughs> I really like this one. Uh, Matt, for those of you I, who somehow impossibly don't know, I can't imagine. Seems I, weird. There must be people coming in who just like Discworld, I suppose. I mean, uh, I don't know how many Discworld podcasts there are, but they just stop. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matt is my co-host, co-creator and co-host of the Post-Atomic Horror, which is the only uh, podcast to ever review the entirety of Star Trek. You're Mm -hmm. welcome. Yep. Uh, On which Amanda is a regular guest. Yes. Uh, But now- An excellent guest. The Mm -hmm. tables are turned. Yes, and and I am a terrible guest. The excellent guest. No, Matt left his dirty underpants all over this show. And your house, as I recall. (laughs) How did that even happen? God damn it. I just stood outside and threw them. You, you did leave a sock here once, which really mystified me. I wasn't sure what to do with the ones. Do I mail it to him? What's the protocol? That's how I mark my territory so I can come back. But it was a clean sock. It wasn't like unpleasant. It was just like, what What do I do? What is What is the move here? Are you, is that like are a you weird s- vampire thing, Matt? Like, yeah, exactly. You have to have something of your home soil. Uh, I think it's like a Harry Potter thing. I think yes, I'm free I, now. If I hadn't left my sock, I would have crumbled to dust in your broom closet. <laughs> We don't even have a broom closet, so you'd have to build one to die in. Uh huh. It would have been a, right. it would have been a real thing. <laughs> all right. Look, why don't why don't I tell you what happens in this book before we uh, before we dissect it to pieces? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the great god Om decides to manifest himself uh, to his followers, but because he now only has one follower, the simple novice brother, he is only able to manifest as a small tortoise. Now as religion's next prophet, pretty much by default, Brother must use his only two assets, his perfect memory and his unshakable faith in his god, to put Omnia back on the right path. Yeah, on this show, Matt, we don't do uh, hilarious recaps. We just very briefly sure. say what I happened was, in it. I was going to say, you forgot the jokes. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I'm not going to try to out-joke Terry Pratchett. Th- that's fair, you know? Like, like, Star Trek needs it, Discworld does not. Star Trek desperately needs it. <laughs> yeah. This th- these books, a especially now that we're in the good books ones, well, needed yeah. a little help. I yeah, think. from listening to your old episodes, it's like, hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you you haven't revisited these books in quite some time, right? No, but I do listen to the podcast every week. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, if you were considering doing so, maybe a few of our episodes might have put you off, like the early books. I mean, I was already pretty put off of the early books. Let's be honest. I start That's people fair. on Mort. That's I, I don't even know. Like we we talk about that a lot because that's a subject that comes up a lot with mm-hmm. Discworld. but uh, i know we are definitely in the good stuff now yes we're talking we were talking about it today and there's only like three or four more books that we don't like i think it's only two or three actually. yeah right like if you don't count the amazing maurice as mm-hmm. a real book which we are <laughs> but if you don't then there's only two yeah. yeah so real close to just being nothing but gold now yeah i that's... don't like the truth i know you don't um Oh, really? I really like the truth a lot. Well, you're yeah, me all too. wrong. Enjoy your wrong opinions. I usually do. Well, and I don't <laughs> think, I wouldn't put this one out of the 40 or 50 books. I wouldn't put this one like in my top five even. And you guys both maybe yeah, put is, this at like number one. This, this is, is my top my... one almost like. Really? Uh-huh. What about you, Amanda? Uh, Definitely in my top five. 
it's not my most favorite one, but it's it's up there. Way the heck up there. Yeah. Huh. Which is particularly weird because this book has basically no women in it at all. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of your main criteria, as we often talk about. Yeah. Yeah, you really like women in things, right, Amanda? That's sh- yeah. that's kind of your deal. I mean, it doesn't come up much. No. <laughs> no. Nearly so first, a third of the crew. First, we're hearing of this, but we can roll with it. <laughs> but no, like, women barely exist in this book. Like, we have a, a sea goddess, and then we mention another goddess, mm-hmm. and then brother's um, grandmother is mentioned in mm-hmm. passing. But I think there's, like, spoken lines. I think there's maybe three or four. Yeah, the sea goddess gets a couple of yeah. lines, and that's, that's it. it. There's no people who are women mm-hmm. It's It's weird, too, because seeing brother interact with a woman might have been interesting as just like a monk who's never sort of dealt with that before, but and mm-hmm. is surrounded by people who all kind of view women as parts to have sex with, like when they're well, mentioned by anyone. There's some of that, but then there's also uh, Brother Numrod who very clearly just doesn't want to think about sex mm-hmm. and like, you know, it's it's that whole horny on main thing. Oh, man. That dude... Well, <laughs> I assume There's we'll get to this, some... but that dude in the radio program was just very upsetting. That's, that's the thing. I didn't quite get the joke in the audio, the normal, mm-hmm. just straight up audio book, but uh, in the BBC uh, dramatization of it, I, that that joke came through very clearly. Yeah. And I think that they, in the adaptation, they added a few lines to make it a little clearer. They may have done. That um, makes sense. Yeah. It makes it more of a comedy character and less of just like a passing thing. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of weird because this story is sort of very biblical. It's yeah. about, uh, it's a sort of a, a prophet story. So kind of like Jesus. Yeah, there's some Moses, there's some Jesus. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's some various prophet stories. But Jesus's whole story, there are a number of women who uh, yeah. feature sort of prominently. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there could have been a few that he brought in um to to mimic those stories and it's kind of an unusual choice that he didn't Mm -hmm. yeah especially at this point in the series where he's very clearly become more aware like the early books there's even quotes from him saying like oh yeah that's that sucks yeah Yeah. i could do better than this it's like a footnote he left to himself put more women in Uh uh-huh how about that the man did love his footnotes yes he did (laughs) but despite Despite the like almost complete lack of women, this is still one of your favorite ones. Yeah, it, it is. Despite the vaginal drought, <laughs> it. Uh... One way to put it. <laughs> oh. So does the vaginal drought allow the cock forest to grow? Is that what the deal is? <laughs> uh, you probably can't have one without the other. I'm very uncomfortable. With... I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> we'll just say that. <laughs> Out of my sandpapery depth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, despite that, I I really enjoyed it. And I do feel like there was room for women in this this book. Oh, totally. Admittedly, like the, mm, like we spent a lot of time in places where women are not welcome, but Mm -hmm. that would mean that once we leave that, once we go to a Phoebe, which Mm. is like, Uh, we could have had women there. I have a couple of books that are like critical essays about Discworld, and I glanced at, unsurprisingly, the feminist read on Discworld Mm -hmm. has nothing to say about this one, (laughs) because what are you going to say? Sure. Um, But there was one that pointed out that if Phoebe isn't ancient Greece, it is the fictional, it's it's what everyone thinks ancient Greece was. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, It's the fictional representation of all the, Probably apocryphal stories about ancient Greece. Sure. But what and you probably picture. Probably it, it crunches together all of the different city states, yeah, which yeah, all yeah. had kind of a different flavor. Right. But 
the point I'm trying to make is the picture you get in your head is old white dudes in, with beards mm-hmm. wearing togas. There aren't any women in that version of ancient Greece. Yes, in real ancient Greece, of course there were. And mm-hmm. there's some pretty good stories about lady philosophers. Yeah. And, uh, but those aren't in the popular, like, you, you hear about I Socrates mean, and you hear about... Sappho. I don't know who that kind is. Kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Don't know who that is. Like, lesbian poet. Okay. Like, she's a big deal. But I, what this book was talking about was, you know... You pictured like standing by the pillars, you know, like like the scene in Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. You know. <laughs> but there, there was room there, and there, there was. was room in the um, the uh, the turtle movement who mm-hmm. are trying to overthrow the um, the the religious the, um, uh, yes. oppressors. Yeah. There, it feels like there would be room there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but. Not the case. But despite that, I still really, really liked it because this is, and this is my good thing, this book has such good cohesion and neatness neatness of storytelling. This is one of the first books that we've read. It might be the first book that we've read that feels like one book. Mm -hmm. Like as much as I love Witches Abroad, it was clearly two books. It was the travelogue and then it was Disneyland. (laughs) Um, And as much as I loved... um, uh, some of Reaper Man, it was two books. That was um, that one. It's very two books, and one of the yeah. books is not a very good book. No, the, the stuff with death was fantastic. Everything else was boring. No, get it? It's a shopping books? mall. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do Do you get it? Do you get it now? How about now? Shopping malls are bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God! Just a just a quick side trip yes. here. Uh, the uh, three hundred and seventy two pages will never mm-hmm. get back podcast, mm-hmm. which is another excellent book podcast uh, co hosted by Mike Delson, formerly mm-hmm. of MST three K and now of Rift Tracks. Um, they talk about terrible books the same way MST did terrible movies, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful. doing Sean Penn's book right now. Oh no! But there's a line from that. It's all like oh, corporations, man, and branding, man, and like there's a there's a line from that that was uh, it's just a shopping mall with a flag. <laughs> That just made me think of that. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> That's anyway, very bad. Please. Didn't mean to interrupt you there. But before that, we had also um, uh, the Rincewind books, which are all short stories and novellas. Mm-hmm. Like, and even um, like guard, like guards, guards had a, a number of different cutaways mm-hmm. uh, that were not entirely um, part of sort of the overarching story or had a lot of tangents. This is one book mm-hmm. all of the characters are connected events lead into each other there's a character arc actually there's a couple of character yeah. arcs like om goes through an arc and brother goes through an arc and when i talk about the neatness i mean we are introduced to the idea that vorbis needs a new secretary um which is going to be brother uh by his old secretary be uh, like being tortured for being like one of these uh turtle guys mm-hmm. uh who was recommended by the general who leads to simony who's the atheist who is part of the plot like it's all just really mm-hmm. it's really neatly plotted yeah. and it makes sense and there's not like sometimes um terry pratchett's books can feel a little meandery mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. to the point of where it's you've got a couple of books in there this was very much one book yeah yeah and and to that point, this is like this isn't the first book in a series like the Watch books or the Witch books. Like this is it because this is a story from beginning to end, and there's nowhere else to take it. Yep, it's and we talk about Omnia 
in other books yeah. and, and brothers mentioned as mm-hmm. like a prophet who changes the religion. Yeah, but the epilogue of this book is his death. Yeah. So yeah. like his story's done. And the timeline in Discworld's a little janky, mm. um, but uh, this is supposed to be happening in the past. Yeah, it's, we it's... meet Omnians yeah. after brother's death. Yeah, right. No, and honestly, he ends up doing a book that cleans up the timeline, mm-hmm. sort of the Crisis on Infinite Earths version, you know, of a Discworld version of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it also, I'm not, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And the the answer is he didn't realize that this was going to be a whole thing. So right. here we are. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting to me because a lot of the Christianity stuff, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't line up with the real world and I don't need it to. It doesn't right. matter to me at all. But it's so obviously the formation, like... Three of us, three pretty devout atheists, mm-hmm. what? like are, are super into this book that is very clearly like, what if Christianity didn't like kind of didn't suck? What if like it actually turned out okay and the guy was actually pretty good and mm-hmm. like that's this is such an allegory for for Christians. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so weird that we're all so into it. Well, I read this at a very specific time in my life too, which mm-hmm. also might be why. Uh... Well, you had you had a lot of. Religious influence in your young life. Uh, yes. yes, that did happen. <laughs> Which led to your uh, to your eventual position. Whereas I was never raised with any of this, and mm-hmm. I just sort of stayed like that by default. Yes, yeah, see, if My... you're raised in it, it makes sense when you come out the other side really angry. No, I get it. I was raised like hard atheist, mm-hmm. like aggressive, like Ricky Gervais, like Ricky Gervais atheist. Like, are you my, offended? <laughs> my grandmother said to me once, "If there was a God, people wouldn't starve to death." And to me, a seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> a- apropos of nothing. <laughs> yeah, so your nothing. grandma, your grandmother was brother's grandmother. Yes, <laughs> except except atheist. Because uh-huh. I because I wanted to say that when you were talking about women, and mm-hmm. I, like the point stands. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue that even for a moment. But she looms very large in this story. <laughs> her brother's entire personality is based on on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if it wasn't such a plot point for him to feel responsible for her death and mm-hmm. for that to be mm-hmm. the thing. That Om uses to say, mm-hmm. look, I know, like, I know I am your God because I know this thing about mm-hmm. you. Like, she, I would say she could appear in the story, but it doesn't matter. She still sort of, like, looms over everything, you know? She definitely does. That, but I'm not, she I'm not arguing but... in favor of the, that counting as women. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just saying this woman does, like, her influence is felt throughout the book. Yes. Which I like. Mm-hmm. I like that he's this sort of very deliberate quiet, careful guy who's mm-hmm. like that because someone beat it into his head. She's not even around anymore, but it nope. doesn't matter. Yeah. And there was never the possibility that any of this wasn't real. Like, her right. belief yep. transferred to him. Like, of course it's real. Yeah, if she was still alive, she would have heard the turtle, too. So, yeah. Or mm-hmm. tortoise. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Uh, tortoise, if you're listening to the tortoise. audio uh, to the I think, uh, I audio drama. The, I think the textbook is actually written such that it spells tort like that's how brother says it mm-hmm. mm. i think he says tortoise 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 which is why like the audiobook is like that mm-hmm. but i don't know the difference between a tortoise and a turtle one of them is a land is a desert guy one of them's an ocean guy i okay. thought tur- tortoises had feet and turtles had flippers yeah i think that is true but the usually it doesn't matter usually one it's like one of them clings tight to the yes, ceiling. Yes, yes, I was waiting for one of you to say that. <laughs> uh, I do know one thing. There's apparently very good eating on one. <laughs> That's true. 
the the pro like usually if i'm in a situation where there's a turtle or a tortoise it doesn't matter i'll just mm -hmm. wait for the context to shake out mm -hmm. but in this story there are both mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's this whole movement about the turtle mm -hmm. and then there's also the god who is a tortoise and it's like oh this is this is very confusing it's <laughs> unnecessarily complicated yeah which one do i kill in mario <laughs> How many turtles is it all the way down and how many tortoises is it all the way down? Yes. Are they stacked on top of one another? What's happening? Is there good eating on a turtle or is that only a tortoise? <laughs> I, I will tell you this. By the end of this book, I really wanted to eat a tortoise. <laughs> well, there's that story that QI told, and I'm sure it came from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. QI doesn't make this stuff up, about uh, Darwin finding... It was, it's the great tortoise, right? Like something like that like some some magnificent giant turtle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or tortoise one of them that they found in like australia or somewhere in the south pacific i thought it was on the galapagos it could have been in the galapagos but yeah. somewhere very far away and they could not get one back to england to catalog to study because they were so delicious that they couldn't <laughs> get a boat all the way back home without eating it we have and real food, you stupid sailors. They tried over and over and over again, and they just kept eating them because they're so amazingly delicious. Not only are they amazingly delicious, but they also have a bladder full of water. Yeah. So it's clean drinking water inside them and also delicious, delicious turtle and, meats. And, well, Gamera is full of turtle meat. That yes, I do also know. that. And apparently a bladder full of fresh water. So <laughs> Yes. But also the shell, I guess, makes a good bowl for the soup that you make and then mm -hmm. also... After that, you can keep using it. So mm -hmm. it's, it, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's nature's perfect food. God wants it to be dead. <laughs> Apparently so. But and yet, Alm does not. No, very definitely does not. Oh, I'm gonna put in a, I'm gonna put in a, a, a testament about not eating, not eating turtles anymore. Right, grow more lettuce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fuck eagles. Such a good line at toward the end of the book where Om um, is giving new commandments and one of them is like, be nice to, to Tortoise. Mm -hmm. And um, Brother says, you just, you don't want them to be nice to Tortoises because you think they should be. You want them to do that because you are one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was so good. <laughs> well, there's, there's so many good, you know. Yeah, basically, I was going through and highlighting the, the passages I wanted to sort of bring up, and yeah. it basically just, like, highlighted the Half whole the book. book. Like, yep. Mm. Yep. Well, in keeping with your, like, uh, assertion that this is the first very cohesive book, mm -hmm. this is also, to me, this is my good thing. It's the first book that's really about something, mm -hmm. like, sort of big. Mm -hmm. Like, there have been other themes in other books, but there's a, there's a Pratchett quote, possibly the most cited Pratchett quote. Evil begins when you treat people as things. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's a Granny Weatherwax quote. It's from one of the very late books. It's one of the last uh, Tiffany books, actually. Uh, the quote is not from this book, but it's a philosophy that carries through most of his work, at least mm -hmm. from about this point on. Like, there's been hints of it before, but Small Gods is really the first time the ideas come across perfectly. It's a book about something. Like, it's still funny, and I still care about the characters, but there's this important theme that doesn't work against the other two things. They all work together, which is how a good book is supposed mm -hmm. to work. But he's really sort of juggled, like, the philosophy of the book and the characters and the humor. And he hasn't quite got all the proportions right. And this is the first time it feels like everything's exactly how it needs to be. Yeah. And the characters are just as important as the plot in this. Mm -hmm. And they are so good. Yeah, they really are. And it's hard to do that in a book about something. Mm -hmm. Like... Especially since these are all one-off characters. We don't get anyone... For, like, he doesn't have the crutch of saying, oh... Oh, there's one. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I wasn't going to do my bad thing just yet, but yeah. 
Uh, we get cut me own hand off Dibbler, uh, which is Dibbler again. And he kind of racist. Sucks. Little, yeah. Little. There's a there's a handful of like there's oh, not too much. No, but. but he uses a pretty rough word. Another pretty rough word in uh-huh. this. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of things mm. like that, and then there's a couple of like. At one point, we meet all the gods from all around, mm-hmm. and there's a couple from the mysterious east. Mm. Uh-huh. And the audiobook gives them some sort of rough Chinese stereotype accent. Yeah, I seem to recall there being a lot of those in the audiobooks when I was making passes through those years ago. Uh, don't if you, if those really bother you, never mm-hmm. read Interesting Times because that's the. Oh God, book. I don't think maybe, I should read Interesting Times anyway. Now maybe we should read Interesting Times with our eyes. Like we've been doing the audiobooks, but oh, this was that was pretty rough in this. Yeah, and, it, it didn't last very long. Yeah. It was a bit near the end where we met, like I say, the gods from yeah. all over the place. But and we also had Lutze. Um, that wasn't a, so bad. Uh, there was some stuff in there that was a little. Well, yeah, a little, little bit, I guess. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, he's a good character with like interesting things to do and say, and he's got like, and he shows up to much greater effect later in the series. Yeah, I was surprised that those guys showed up so early. Yeah. I think that was just one of those concepts that he's sort of like, oh, wait, this is a cool idea. I should come back to this. <laughs> yeah. But the, the Dibbler thing, or Dibla in this case, Ugh. he he even gets to bring it back to Star Trek. He even gets a dumb, what does God need with a starship scene mm-hmm. when Om manifests. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It's, it, did, did you not think that when that happened, Matt? No. That's That was where I went to. It was like, shut, avert your eyes. What's wrong with you, man? This is your God. <laughs> yes, but can I sell stupid things? <laughs> That's the only joke. Why uh-huh. is why does he keep coming back? Ugh. It's not that interesting. The whole bit about the yogurt, just like, oh god. Okay, no, we get yep. it. It's turned. Mm-hmm. 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 It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Is it though? Mm. No. I mean, given, someone thought so. So, given shrug. how much, given how much funnier the rest of the book mm-hmm. is, it's just like, come on, you know better than this now. It's just, it's so unnecessary. It's it just it feels like oh, I like this character. I should bring him in again for no reason. I guess, but then there's also a brief appearance by the librarian, which mm-hmm. was actually very good. That, that was, was super good. good. That was a crossover with the scene from uh, Guards Guards, mm-hmm. where he needs the book on uh, dragons, mm-hmm. and it's it's a perfect like Matt. You might not remember that because you haven't reread these. I've read while. Guards just, Guards in about twelve years. Yeah, so you might not have spotted the specific book it was from or why he was there, but you just like, oh, the librarian. Like, no, it's I still definitely cool. rem- I definitely remember L Space and. Uh... Ah, okay. Which, as a former library student, was always a concept I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is great, and and there's that whole thing with the um, the library being burned and, mm. and brother like storing all the books in his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was very good. Such Not even a, knowing how to read. Such a good scene. Yeah. But you were talking about how three atheists could enjoy this story about how Moses slash worked. Christ. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of that has to do with one. It's another story about stories because mm-hmm. yeah. instead of having this be sort of fairy tale driven, it's driven by um, parable and religious text. Yeah. So it, it's again, we've got Terry Pratchett telling stories about stories. Well, and, and it's the also, idea that people now believe in the church, which is just the church is like telling stories mm-hmm. rather than the actual thing that it's supposed to be about. But this also comes from a very humanist perspective, yeah. which is because that's Terry Pratchett's whole thing. So yeah. he's telling us what the church could be like if it were run on humanist beliefs instead of like yeah. nonsense that people came up with after yeah. doing mushrooms in the desert. Yeah. And and also longstanding tradition that mm-hmm. we do things just because we've always done them this way. Well, and the, the idea of 
of having a church by the end that's actually, you know, helping people as opposed mm-hmm. to like it it's not just about a bunch of like dudes sitting around hurting people and making themselves feel like feel powerful, you know? No, and and one of his big things is we will copy we will make copies of all of those books. First I'm going to give them back to the Ephesians cuz yeah. they're theirs, but we're going to keep copies of them here. Also we will invite representatives from all other religions to be here mm-hmm. because we're not going to shout them down and tell them they're wrong. Instead, we're going to invite them to come here mm-hmm. and be part of this. And yeah. like, oh, that's so good. And Alm just... says, what, you're going to have other gods come here? And Brother says, well, you'll just show them how much better you are than them, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. inspires him to like, oh, I better step it up, I guess. No, the idea of a religion that's actually trying to better itself and the people, like, this is was so important to me as someone who was like so fed up with just... Yeah, all of what organized religion was. There's, there's so many. Like the first thing like this I ever saw was uh, Python's Life of Brian, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap mm-hmm. between this and that movie. I think not in a bad way. I don't think it copies it or anything, and I don't think that was the first comedy to do good satire on organized religion. But there's a lot of the same sure. basic ideas of like the message immediately gets lost because we're more interested in how we're delivering the message and and you know being part of the followers and like i don't know i just i like that a lot Mm -hmm. well there's um a lot in this book about how gods form and how they like become powerful and how they die and it builds on the stuff from previous books about belief yeah and so the idea is that the gods become powerful then a church is built up like a sort of a a shell or a cage around them until they're crushed under the weight of the religion Mm -hmm. and the god dies because everyone believes in the church not in the god or the like the ideas behind which is why only brother can hear om because he's the only one who believes him i love that concept so much that like omniism has like because you see the church every day you deal with like like vorbis Every day. Yeah, everyone these believes are, in Vorbis. Yeah. These are the things that like represent the god until like the actual what what he actually did or who he was doesn't matter anymore. Yep. And he even prove like, Alm even proves this to brother because he says, Listen, I'm your god. You believe I'm your god, so take a rock and bash in Vorbis's head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And brother's like, uh no, Vorbis is scary. And he's like, so you're more scared of yes. Vorbis than you are. Yeah, your actual yeah. god is telling mm-hmm. you to get rid of the church, and you're no, you yeah, won't do you it. You won't yeah. do it. Yeah, no, it's it's all very good. It's there's so, so very many, good. There's so many good passages like that. And Matt, this is really your good thing, yeah. I look, this is real easy, but fuck it, I'm a guest on this podcast. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I not, love, that's not how guests work. Not entirely true, <laughs> but go ahead. I love Pratchett's dialogue. Like mm-hmm. I, again, I haven't read read a Discworld book since the last one. Which was like mm-hmm. four years ago now, I think. Yeah, but like his, like his stuff is amazing. When I was younger, I used to read this stuff aloud just to admire how much it snapped. Mm-hmm. Usually with a terrible, vague British accent. <laughs> well, you've you've gotten out of that habit. So yeah, right. it's a good thing that doesn't happen anymore. Um, <laughs> but like Terry Pratchett's one hundred percent responsible for how I write dialogue now. And just reading over all this stuff, reading the the long passages and just go back and forth between brother and um, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Now he has a very good like it feels it feels very British to me, mm-hmm. not in a bad way. No, but it feels like sometimes it feels a little unnatural just because I don't know people who talk like that. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it isn't natural. Sure. It just means it's natural to a different culture. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, 
it's definitely as a comedy delivery system it fe- it's it's so like feeds into what amanda was mm-hmm. saying it's so streamlined it's mm-hmm. so economical like every line is either like when he's on a, on top of his game he's it's either delivering a joke or taking you to a joke mm-hmm. yep or There's... teaching you something about one of the characters it's mm-hmm. all right it all serves either the plot or the themes or the characters. It's like so every- honed. Yeah. Yep. Everything matters. There's no like. Yeah. There's no filler. Yeah. Which is why some of the bad books yeah. are so annoying because you, you're you just like, why why is this here? Cut this. Cut yeah. all of we, this. We know you're better than this. Yeah. It's like if you read an author that's that's as good as they can do. If you mm-hmm. if you read someone who the best they could do was sorcery, you'd be like, well, I probably won't read anything else by them. But, yep. But Okay. This is this is the best you can do. That's fine. It's not as enraging because mm. it's not like you know they're capable of better. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Come on, Terry. Yeah, Sir Terry, please. Oh, excuse me. And his meteorite sword. <laughs> yes. Come on, that's one of the best things. He's amazing. Out of all the many things, mm-hmm. uh huh, that's one of the best ones. <laughs> but yeah, you're right about there being lots of just great quotable. Like, there's so many quotable lines mm-hmm. in this. Oh yeah, my Kindle is full of them. <laughs> well, you don't have to read just the one. Like, do you, do you have others you want to just Hang like? On a so, do you have a good example that that backs up your your good thing here? Like, great dialogue. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> you stoned our our envoy, shouted Vorbis, an, an unarmed man. He brought it upon himself, said the tyrant. Aristocrates was there. He'll tell you. Man nodded and stood up. By tradition, anyone may speak in the marketplace, he began. And be stoned, Vorbis demanded. Aristocrates held up a hand. Ah, he said. Anyone can say what they like in the square. We have another tradition, though, called free listening. Unfortunately, when people dislike what they hear, they can become a little testy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that was very, very good. Uh-huh. No, and there's a... um. There's a bit I'm looking for now, there's, and I cannot... There's one that I quite liked. Okay. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, darn it, I clicked away from it, and now Yeah, see, it's I, was, for, I was now trying now to vocally stall, and I thought you were picking it I, up for me. I was you, picking you it up for not. you, and then I, then I clicked... Oh, here we go. Um, but you're omnicognizant, said Brother. That doesn't mean I know everything. <laughs> oh, yes. Brother bit his lip. Um... Yes, it it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, if you hear us switching when we're talking about brother's name, it there's some there's some kind of confusion about that because the in the audiobook he says Brutha. Well, he's trying to differentiate between that and like brother Numrod and bro- mm-hmm. because in a British accent it's B R U T H A, and in a British accent you don't usually say your R sounds. Yeah. So it already sounds like brother. Brother. Yeah. Which is nice one, brother. Yes, brother. Bravo. Sister, sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, for me, uh, picking out some uh, good dialogue, uh, there's this one where the the, um, the library's burning down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Principles of gearing, theory of water expansion, shouted Ern. But don't we need Ibid's civics or uh, Naman's ectotopia? That's for sure. What? They all belong to mankind, snapped Adactylos. Then if all mankind will come help us carry them, that's fine. But if it's the two of us, I prefer to carry something useful. There's also a great part with with brother uh, memorizing them when he goes, "Which ones of these are important?" And Ern goes, "All of them. They're all the uh-huh. great works of literature." And Didactylus goes, "About two hundred. Yeah. The rest of them are vanity publishing <laughs> or just wind. Yeah, or or they've been disproven by some of the other ones. <laughs> 
was all very good. It's a very good book. But we could sit here and, like, seriously, it's it's probably the most quotable one so far, would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah. I would say so. Yep. I mean, so far. I still think we have better ones coming, but that's that's me personally. Oh, it's so good. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. And, but, and yeah, very quotable. There's a lot of really great stuff in this one. And the thing, because of the the subject, like, because of the themes, it could be really heavy. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, like, his very latest, like, last mm-hmm. books get into some heavy stuff because he's wrestling literally mm-hmm. with his own mortality. Mm-hmm. He knew yeah. the end was coming. And some of the humor started going away and it started getting serious. And I still like that stuff a great deal. Oh, but yeah. it's clear that he wa- he the, the themes were way more important than the humor at that point. And, and reading, here he's balancing them really Reading well. Nation for the first time oh. was shocking. Yeah. Because it just, like, there are some bits of levity in it, but it's not hugely funny. No. And it was like, well, what's going... what? What's going on with your writing, man? And it was just, and later you find out, oh, it's because yeah. he's trying to deal with this his horrible brain yeah. betraying yeah. him. Like mm-hmm. the umbuggerance, as he called it. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Uh, so uh, speaking of bad things, though, Matt, what was yours? Oh, this was a tough one because this is uh, one of my favorites. And like I said, it's been about three years since I read a Pratchett novel, and this one's my favorite. Like, mm-hmm. The whole reading of it was incredibly nostalgic to me, with the added bonus of the book still being good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with, there was a line when the philosophers are discussing the various gods that definitely exist as long as they're in Thunderbolt range. And one of them <laughs> mentions FedEx, god of messengers, which, first of all, is a terrible pun. And secondly, I'm furious at myself because I missed it my first time through. <laughs> Your bad thing can't be yourself. Uh, okay. Well, it is. <laughs> Much like that my is, bad that thing is in a, real life. Yeah, that is a that is a rough pun, though. I, yep. uh, but also, I don't know that FedEx is as big of a thing in England, so it might have been yeah. kind of an obscure reference to them. Yeah, no idea. No, no. because see, in America, it's actually a, it's actually a tra- you know what? Forget it. Uh huh. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I mean, in the uh, in the the radio drama, they replaced it with Flatchus, the god of winds. Which is oh no no, they didn't replace joke. it. That was also in that was uh, also in the book. I might just not read names. Maybe that's my problem. That could be. No, I had a I had trouble like remembering who Simon he was because mm-hmm. he wasn't really anything. To yeah. Me. But Amanda kept talking about this character. I'm like, who are you talking about? That's another like uh, jokey name because it's about. Oh, you know the Catholic Church is always selling people imaginary things. It's mm-hmm. one of those. Like you, uh, you, okay. you get out of hell early, or you get oh, yeah, an indulgence yeah. or something, where you get either you get out of hell early, or you go get to like go you eat can, a sugar sweet, you and can, you don't get in trouble for it. Yeah, you get like mm-hmm. one free day of of sinning or whatever. Yeah, right. And simony is simony's a joke the, on the, that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's that's what one of those things is called. Mm. I was I was disappointed. Elspace pointed out a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. I kind of knew or mm-hmm. already knew, and I know there are specific references to Christian stuff mm-hmm. that I mm. wish, like particularly near the end mm-hmm. when the church starts forming. Mm-hmm. It's like I know there's early Catholic stuff here. I know there's mm-hmm. like disciples of Jesus <clears throat> stuff here, and I'm just not that versed in that stuff. Sure, I never went to church. I never went to Sunday school. I don't know what this stuff is, and I'd love someone to p- sort of point it out to me. And I I missed. I know I like I know enough to know that I missed mm-hmm. something, and it's too bad because I bet that was extra good. Mm. So, <laughs> this book really was pyramids if pyramids hadn't fucking sucked. 
Yeah. Well, that answers like this... my question on whether or not Pyramids is worth going back to. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Matthew, you started me on Pyramids. You said here. Did I? Start re- here. Oh, my God. I've known the two of you for 15 years, and I've never heard you call him Matthew. You must be really unhappy <laughs> with him right now. Matthew Jesus Robotham. <laughs> How did you know my middle name? <laughs> I know his middle name. Do you not know his middle name? Uh, Not off the top of my head. It's Graham, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That, mine's funnier. Well, yeah. Yeah, it is. Of course it is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, was... you, Matt started me on pyramids. He was actually the one who got me turned on to Terry Pratchett. That like, I never would have read right. Terry was... Pratchett without Matt. When when are we talking? Like, when, did, when did this happen? Because Matt said he high, read them as a kid. High school. Ah. High school. Yeah, no, like, there was a there was a uh, period between when I was about fifteen and twenty where it was uh, literally all I read were Discworld books and Stephen mm-hmm. King novels. Yeah, see, I i mean, I went through that Stephen King phase at about that same age, but mm-hmm. I did not come into Discworld until I was 30. Like, I listened to um, uh, Color of Magic was the first thing I put mm-hmm. in on my coast-to-coast trip to move to Seattle in 2006. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was in my 30s. Like, wow. I didn't know these books when I was young at all, which I knew I should read them. I knew, like, oh, if you like Douglas Adams, you'll like this. Mm-hmm. It's like that for fantasy. And, yeah. Oh, okay. It's like this. But... It's like that, except better in every measurable way. Mm-hmm. Most measurable ways. Yeah. No, that was the it's thing. It's like Neil Gaiman, except better in every measurable well, that, way. That I will agree with, yes. <laughs> I still think Douglas Adams' jokes were better, but that's the it. Like, that's the only thing. Well, that's... He, he had no sense of plot or character. He also only wrote, like... Two books. Well, yeah, he was in the bath and over then he was and dead. Over and over again. <laughs> he was in the bath and then he was dead. And a lot of those I... books were just like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then yeah. this happened. There's always some random thing mm-hmm. that generates like the the improbability drive or the interconnectedness of all things. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no, it just random things can just happen. Yeah, well, that's a good way to not write a plot. <laughs> Gotta have a plot, man. No, I think I'll I think I'll die on an exercise bike instead. <laughs> Is that where he died? I think so. I did not was know that. Was he avoiding that. writing? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Almost certain. He was definitely avoiding writing a sixth Hitchhiker's book. Mm-hmm. Well, did you read that sixth Hitchhiker's book? He was right to do so. No, because he didn't write it. <laughs> yeah, I I did anyway, and boy, it was bad. I, I bought that book at a dollar store for literally a dollar, and still I think I paid too much for it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a long commute, and I needed audiobooks. And mm. I listen to it and man it mm-hmm. was it was rough. like i am so glad the estate of terry pratchett like he made it super clear like all of my books are done there's yep. no yeah. half finished books and when i'm gone you Lynn's don't in charge of it yeah, yeah. his wife isn't his wife is co uh copyright holder mm-hmm. on everything oh yeah and so she still owns it all and yeah there is no uh we found this in his notebooks nope yeah, he so wrote his last book. So let's have his seventh cousin twice removed mm-hmm. and try and cobble it together. Nope, he wrote his last book, and it, when we get there, you'll know it it's is the, the last end. book. Did yeah. you sure do know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I will be weeping openly on this microphone, but uh-huh. that is that is a few episodes from mm-hmm. now. No, again, I was talking to my mom when it came out. She's like, "How is it?" I'm like, "It's definitely his last novel." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it felt like he was wrapping everything up. Mm-hmm. Which, uh-huh. You know, I'm glad he got to do that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, well, yeah, that's and true. It, that's actually kind of, uh, it feels like, again, narrative causality, because he talks a lot about 
powerful figures being able to know that they're going to die. Like the witches and wizards know they're going to die, so mm-hmm. they have time to <laughs> yeah, wrap up true. their unfinished business. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought so of that. <laughs> maybe, maybe the same thing happened. That is very good. But anyways, we are talking earlier. Matt, actually, he was the one who got me into Discworld when I was like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. He loaned me my first book, and it was Pyramids. And despite that, I kept <laughs> reading the series. That's the thing is like most, a lot of people start with that first mm-hmm. book, and, which isn't very good as we all know. Nope. But there's enough in there, even in his worst work, mm-hmm. there's enough in there to say, wow, I want more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this book talked a lot about a lot of the same things that pyramid did pyramids did well, about, yeah that was a kingdom that was sort of stagnating because uh, they because didn't move forward yeah. And, yeah. yeah and a lot about gods and how they come to be and belief and belief mm-hmm. turning into gods and all of that kind of stuff except this had character mm-hmm. and yeah. jokes and a cool plot and i was so into it well, it also occurred to me as I was thinking about this, Om, um, or not Om, um, uh, Brother, mm-hmm. might be the only Terry Pratchett, like, hero that mm-hmm. is a true hero in the classic sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not a, f- like, what makes most of his heroes so interesting is that they're flawed. Mm-hmm. Like, Granny has a lot of flaws, Vimes has a lot of flaws, Moist has a lot of flaws, but, like, Brother is just a force for good. He is just very good and a lot of what's interesting about his other heroes is them fighting against themselves like vimes is fighting the badness in himself Mm -hmm. and it's that conflict that makes him interesting yeah same with granny like Mm -hmm. granny if she if she wasn't watching herself she would turn into a monster yeah but she never does because granny won't let her and if moist didn't have the patrician breathing Mm -hmm. down his neck the whole time yes but (laughs) brother doesn't need any like he's just good and he does the right thing and everything works out because he is truly like a good person and it's it's rare to see that in anything and it's rare to see it in a terry pratchett book and it's done very well and it's hard to write a character like yeah that's that what i mean because they're boring they can be so boring mm. this is the matt this is one of your favorite uh, topics the whole issue of how you write superman interesting yeah mm-hmm. Well, this we, we talked about this a bit on our Star Trek podcast. It feels to me like Star Trek's tendency to get dark mm-hmm. more recently with like the last two series and Black Alert, everyone several <laughs> movies is because people think you can't write a hopeful utopia mm-hmm. and have it be interesting. It's that same mindset. Yeah. And and it is possible to write that sort of thing. It is possible to write a good Superman story that is uplifting, mm-hmm. and it's possible to write a hero like Brother who's still interesting. He has much more of a defined arc than those other characters because he goes from just being sort of a dumb, you know, melon tender. He starts out very much, once again, like Arthur in Once and Future King. Mm. Yeah, you pointed out a lot of that that I didn't The well, you got to read Once and Future King! Uh, Fantasy. It's funny. It's funny. Fantasy, Um, man. And um, so he starts out as sort of a well-meaning dope who doesn't think about things too deeply and... That could be what made him a good person, sort of the mm-hmm. ignorance is bliss type thing, just sort of going with the flow, not wanting to hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. But as we go through the book, he gains more knowledge and he starts questioning. And Om sort of helps him with that because he meets his actual God and his actual God kind of sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things he believed wholly that were just factually true, it turns out weren't. Mm-hmm. And then, as you were talking about earlier, he digests an entire library and he says that the books start leaking 
So he starts understanding them, even though he can't read. And so he's, and he meets these philosophers who are also always questioning things, mm-hmm. like questioning reality. Yeah, Didactylus in particular talks a lot about how if some, like, I nothing is true. I don't believe anything because it could be disproven almost immediately. Like yeah. Just the idea of being able to question something and revise it. Yeah, and they, they say to Didactylus, like, you wrote this book about the nature of the world don't you be- like believe in the turtle and he what says you supposed to believe in the turtle you don't believe in facts yeah. that doesn't make sense it's just no. how things are yeah yeah and Which, maybe it isn't yeah but that's a little you know particularly the way things have been politically mm-hmm. in the last couple of years golly you don't say <laughs> now suddenly you can just choose to think that uh, vaccinating well, your kids doesn't isn't a thing or listen there's climate change isn't there, a thing, there's or? facts and then there's facts like come on yeah, people let's yeah. let's put ourselves let's let's put this podcast on the right side of history pro vaccination vaccinate yes. your Cli- fucking kids vaccinate your kids pro science pro science yes climate change is real uh-huh yes gender is a nonsense uh-huh yes do, do we need to say those things? Um, I mean, I guess so. I I'm, feel like... Uh, apparently, not enough people are saying them, so... Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> That true. doesn't really... None of that really comes up in this book. It's not really germane to the conversation, no, but... <laughs> the thing is, they, they critical thinking. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we were talking about, and that's, you know, very much a thing. Well, I think, like, there's something to be said about, you know, brother's evolution from, like, basically being raised to, like, be being, like, his entire... Everything he knows is based on being told things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like only sort of getting out and it starting to have actual experiences turns him into an actual person. Yep. You know, well, Warbus talks about that where he says the reason they don't they don't let people from Omnia on ships. They don't let them travel. They mm-hmm. keep them trapped because mm-hmm. the further you are away and the more you experience, the more error creeps in well yeah he talks a lot about fundamental truth Mm -hmm. yeah about yes you saw this thing but the fundamental truth is what we need to be true yeah it's how a cult works yeah (laughs) or you know a regular religion yeah yeah or or our country right now Mm. Mm. welcome canadians (laughs) to this wonderful place hooray Uh, i owe a thousand dollars in medical bills uh so far Don't but talking um, about don't ever get a, a gallstone or a kidney stone. Not <laughs> oh yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, just don't get injured or sick, you guys. Come yeah. on, oh, you know the on. rules. Idiots. Yeah. But but brother's journey feels similar to um, the the questioning I see a lot of my buddies who grew up religious who mm-hmm. then sort of moved. Matt, you can probably speak to this more than me. Sure. Um, where you had all of this religious stuff, sort of set to you as fact Mm -hmm. and then as you gain more experience you kind of move away from it yeah well personally for me it was a big like when i was about 13 or something it's just like Mm -hmm. boy this sounds stupid (laughs) (laughs) like it's just what take that religion well i i mean it's a little more complicated than that than that but not really that much Invisible no, Skyman, huh? And I don't want to sound like a dick or anything, but like... yeah, you're you're bordering on Ricky Gervais. Here. <laughs> yeah, or my grandmother. That's real. Yes. That's really not what I want to do here. But like, you know. No, I get you. I definitely my, get you. That's my personal journey, anyway. No, and honestly, this book is all like has a lot of that in it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the the main quote that I picked, my mm-hmm. my quote of the book, 
is very much it could it could just have come from your Christian upbringing or anyone's Christian mm-hmm. upbringing. Uh, it is. Uh, let's see. My grandmother told me that I shall go to hell when I die anyway, said brother, ignoring this. Being alive is sinful. It stands to reason because you have to sin every day when you're alive. Yep. That just I, I grew up with people like that who whose parents told them things like that. Yeah. Like well, I, I was blissfully unaware of these things until high school. And then I knew like Catholic kids who were going through confirmation. I'm like, wait, what? What is this? And yeah. Then right. They explained like original sin to me. And like, what? What? I cannot imagine what that is like. Can you can you imagine being explained these things when you were like you know in high school? Yeah, when right? it wasn't brought in early, when like, you were already starting to form critical thinking, like before you know they didn't get in early. Yeah, like that's when that's how that's how you, they got to get you because then know. you believe anything. Because otherwise, it sounds like wait, so you're you're bad from the begin. What? Mm-hmm. What? You're always bad. Well, well, how do like how do you win then? Oh, you don't. No. You, yeah, the you house don't. always wins. Yeah. The house is God. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, growing up, like I say, my family was aggressively not atheist, or was aggressively atheist, but my uh, sister's family was super religious. So my first religious uh, like experience was they told us we were going to go ice skating, and instead we went to church. Oh, And they yes. took all the children up to the front and told them about hell. And I was about 10 years old at this point, mm-hmm. and it was just baffling. Yep. For, like, it's a very different experience. Yep. My cousin tried that shit on me in high school. <laughs> We're going to youth group. They're going to have pizza. Oh, they okay. had pizza. They had other things, too. <laughs> we never went ice skating. <laughs> to this day, they still owe you ice skating. Is that what yes. you're saying? Well, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to take a hard turn into like bashing religion, though. I mean, you know, of course, we all have our opinions, but mm-hmm. like and our personal probably, to grind. Pro- <laughs> probably someone is listening to this and like, hey, but this the book didn't just have negative things to say about no, that's religion what I, either. That's what I liked about yeah. it. Is like, yeah, it does actually prop up a lot of the better parts of of not just Christianity. That that's the thing I recognized. Mm. But I feel like there were bits of other religions in there as well. Mm-hmm. No, and um, brother shows what what's the best a religion could do. Someone who genuinely believes in forgiveness and yeah but you know if you go to the original things that jesus mm-hmm. supposedly said and did there's a lot of that in there it's well, the church that twisted it all out of shape that's you know, the, the problem same idea. the man yeah. had good ideas it's mm-hmm. when it be it's when you get everyone else into it yeah when you play that telephone ruined. game mm-hmm. and, and the ca- the cage for the cage for god crushes god yeah mm-hmm. And that's what I find worrying about the end of, of it is that like you know what happens to omniism after brother's gone, you know, we like, actually find that out. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's got he lives for a hundred years. Yeah, but in, which is I think enough time to actually get some. In later, in a later book, there's a character who's fairly important in one of the witch books who mm-hmm. is an Omnian, mm-hmm. and so we find out about what happens to the Omnian religion. There's actually one in the Watch. Yeah, too. I was gonna say I believe oh, there's yeah. a Watch one also. Yeah. yeah, as I recall, they're just they're kind of annoyingly like. Um, uh, evangelistic mm-hmm. badger but, the but, infidel with informative pamphlets yes. right that's him <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh what about you guys what do you have for quotes oh good matt what do you got uh hang on let me just pull it up on the i mean we have here. we have many quotes because again them. we'll just should, should we just read this book yes. to the people it's just uh between the three of us i think yeah uh so mine's oh. on vorbis because i found the character fascinating we barely talked about him at all 
But what's interesting to me is the uh, uh, we were doing the audiobook mm-hmm. and Amanda said uh, his Vorbis voice is very good. And she was right. It was. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but that's just his veterinary voice. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. The guy does 50 character mm-hmm. voices and yeah. they're all pretty good. But there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. Not again, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. He feels like veterinary in a different setting kind of thing. Yeah. Well, he's probably the first good sort of grand vizier type mm-hmm. that. Terry Pratchett's ever written. He's, I didn't he's, see him that way because there was no leader for him to be whispering to. The well, whole the thing time. is, there it w- doesn't have we to talked be. about that. But like, he's at the point where like his word is law anyway. Like he doesn't need to be whispering to anybody. Everyone in the entire building is terrified of him. And they talk. Uh, they, you know, the the multiple Terry Pratchett. Sure. Terry mm-hmm. Pratchett talks about um, how he um, Vorbis is a deacon. And, or something like that. Yeah, he's and a deacon. He's a deacon, and everyone's like, he could be like a bishop or a double bishop or whatever. And right. and Vorbis is like, no, I, this is this is. Do you have any idea how much power I'd have to give up to be president? Yeah, but he also knows that he's going to be the prophet. He, yeah. yeah, it seems like he's always aware of that. But so I mean, Matt, like, it sorry. doesn't feel like becoming the prophet is good. Like, brother makes a point about how, like, if Vorbis becomes prophet, there'll be holy wars and like mm-hmm. blood and everything. But there's all like he's already starting holy wars. Like, yeah, it, it making him prophet's just giving him an, a shinier title. Well, and more legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot harder to tear him down if he's like divinely appointed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what was your quote? <clears throat> all right. Hierarchy, Vorbis said later. The Ephebians didn't think in terms of hierarchies. No army could cross the desert, but maybe a small army could get a quarter of the way and leave a cache of water, and do that several times. And another small army could use part of that cache to go further, maybe reach halfway and leave a cache. And another small army. It had taken months. A third of the men had died of heat and dehydration and wild animals and worse things, the worst things that the desert held. You had to have a mind like Vorbis's to plan it. And plan it early. Men were already dying in the desert before Brother Murdoch went to preach. There was already a beaten track when the Omnian fleet burned in the bay before Ephebe. You had to have a mind like Vorbis's to plan your retaliation before your attack. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. his... Like, it's that using people as things again. Like, it's all little, like, little plastic pieces to move around a map Mm -hmm. to get what he wants. Yep. And he's very good at it. Yeah. And the only thing that can disrupt him is, you know, this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that actual God comes down, right? And there's a real prophet, yeah. to mm-hmm. stop him. Yep. But he is—he's a—he's a really interesting character. And sometimes when we cut away from our sort of main guys in Terry Pratchett books, it's like, ugh, get back to the main guys. Yeah. But every time Vorbis shows up, I'm like, oh yes, more Vorbis, please. Yeah. He's a good villain. And also, he's pretty funny. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Vorbis has a lot of jokes, and it's jokes that. No one, either no one gets or everyone's afraid to get. Because yeah. what if he's not joking? Mm-hmm. They're, well, he's, they're clearly he's just the one for that, him. He's the one that makes the, the joke about brother's name. Yes. About if you ever, like, uh, when you're ordained, you'll be brother, brother. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha. It's like, oh, everyone better laugh at the dad joke yes. or we'll all die. Yeah. And then he says, and then you, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll become father, brother. That would be, have to be very confusing. We better just make you bishop. Mm-hmm. And then he does. Yeah. yeah. No, and there, there's a there's a moment right at the like when when he's first torturing I forget the mm-hmm. character's name but uh, mm-hmm. basically the guy that came back from a feeb and he says to one of the the other in- inquisitors how long can can we keep him alive for mm-hmm. about two days probably 
good. Do so because it would be it, it's a sin to to murder someone. Yeah, he's no. He says it's uh, it's our job to keep people alive for as long as possible. Exactly, that's to it, preserve yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Yep. which is just him, you know, twisting the knife and and taking the words mm-hmm. and and using them to his own like gross ways. Well, well one of the things like, I love is the description of how the Inquisition works, which is they don't have like elaborate torture devices. Mm-hmm. They just have a small knife. It's amazing what you can do with a knife. Yeah, he's yeah. he works much better than yeah. like hot coals and and you know like racks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And everything's well lit because it should all happen in the light. Yeah. yeah. And it should all be on the up and up. Well, one of the Ephibians talks about having gone to Omnia mm-hmm. and seeing someone get stoned and mm-hmm. it wasn't the awful part wasn't watching the guy get mm-hmm. stoned or what he did to deserve it. The awful part was how into it the crowd was. Yeah. And they were into it because they didn't want to be getting stoned. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, um, the characters talk about why Vorbis is so evil. And Vorbis isn't just evil because he does bad things. He's evil because he makes other people act like him and mm-hmm. turn into him and do things they know are wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is why like, it's so enraging mm-hmm. the part where they come out of the desert mm-hmm. and he's the prophet for a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? No, not him. And it's like, I know how the book ends. Mm-hmm. And also, even if this was the first time I know it would be fine. And still I was like, no, no. But brother did all the work and he had yeah. the adventures and the realizations in the desert. Yep. And he carried, Vor- that was such a good brother moment because yep. he carries Vorbis all the way through the desert. And yeah. that felt so biblical. Mm-hmm. Well, and there, well, what's your? Oh, go ahead. There, there's a moment there too, like, like when I was reading the book, I, I, you know, I forgot huge chunks of this book because I haven't read it mm-hmm. in forever, and like when Vorbis just sort of goes catatonic in the desert, like I'm mm-hmm. like, is that it? Like I don't remember how this ends. Like, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. this just how we're? Because sometimes in Pratchett novels, people just sort of stop being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't even mind that. Like he doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't feel like bad plotting. It just feels like that's how it happens. Yeah. Sometimes. And sometimes he gets tired of them. Yeah. yeah. But I like the character so much that I'm like, this is this it for him? And then mm-hmm. to have the whole his whole catatonia being just waiting for brother to get him to safety. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just because he knows it's like th- there he this guy is going to keep me alive for as long as he possibly can. All I need mm-hmm. to do is keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And the and, fundamental truth mm-hmm. is that Vorbis got brother through the desert. And of mm-hmm. course everyone's going to believe it because it's mm-hmm. Vorbis who's gonna say anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not some not some dumb melon farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I could actually call someone a dumb melon farmer. <laughs> that's a that's a, a, a at least one TV version of an R-rated movie has mm-hmm. has used that. Yippee Kaye, melon farmer. <laughs> Amanda, what's Wrong your quote? podcast? <laughs> um, my uh, my my quote here is um. Earn and Simony talking to Om. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have many friends, said Earn. Even I don't like as much, and I am us, said Simony. And he looked up at the god. Will you help? You don't even believe in me. Yes, but I'm a practical man. And brave, too, to declare your atheism before your god. This doesn't change anything, you know, said Simony. Don't think you can get around me just by existing. <laughs> yes, that was an excellent <laughs> So good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Om talks quite a bit about how much he likes being around Simony because he says a really good atheist works almost the same as a believer Yep, because mm-hmm. he thinks about him so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was very good. Yeah. There's there's one more line I wanted to call out real quick, mm-hmm. which was actually my original quote. Again, there are so many. Uh-huh. 
But this just reminded me, like, at one point, brother, like, everyone turns to him and he's like, what are we doing? How are we getting out of here? What's what's the plan? And he just says, I haven't got a plan. I just do things one after the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a very Pratchett idea that comes up over and over mm-hmm. again. And it's very much my own sort of personal philosophy. I don't have a plan. I just do things one after the other. Also, I have a plan. <laughs> but, you know. You have, like, 17 whiteboards. With yeah, your I've seen your it. office. Like, <laughs> That's true. But... I don't have a life plan. I just do one thing after the uh-huh. other. That's all. It's just you have a creative project plan, though. Yeah, that's a, that's one thing after the other. Now, exactly. if I could this plan podcast. my life like I plan my podcast, no, nope. <laughs> no, nope. you'd need a whole other room of whiteboards. Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> whiteboards all the way down. Yep. Uh, one one other thing we wanted to talk about real quick. We mentioned it briefly. There is a BBC radio dramatization mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. It's real good. It's yeah, very for good for the first time. Like I. I really wanted to call attention to this because we didn't like the TV adaptations of uh, Color of Magic or uh, Light Fantastic. Uh, we did not like the radio adaptation of Weird Sisters. <laughs> but for the first time, this is like it's not that our standards are so high that Terry Pratchett is unadaptable. Mm-hmm. It's just you got to get the jokes, man. Mm-hmm. And None of those guys got what was funny about the Weird these. Sisters animated one. Like the animation was super rough, but the actual writing and the voice performing was quite good. That's yeah. true, and they got that there was jokes. The, the stuff they cut made sense, and mm-hmm. the stuff they kept made sense. And... Well, that the... was the same in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Well, what you were telling me before about Weird Sisters, the radio adaptation, not having any jokes in it. Like, what are we even doing here? No, they played it straight. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, right. This is this is just like an, an amalgam of mm-hmm. Shakespeare stuff. We get it. Like, uh-huh. No, that's not that's not the point of it, you dummies. It's jokes. And like, way cuts... to miss the entire point. <laughs> yeah. The cuts in this radio ap- adaptation were so good. It was all the stuff that, like, it was funny and enjoyable, but mm-hmm. it didn't serve the main no, when you, plot. No, when you think about it, it's like, well, that part's missing. Oh, wait. I guess, that, I guess the story still stands without yeah. that part. Good job. Yeah, because it was two hours. It was four mm-hmm. parts of 30 minutes each. And the unabridged audiobook is like 10 hours. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot missing there. And they made the choice. The other one didn't mm-hmm. do much of this. None of the other versions have, mm-hmm. uh, had a narrator. A narrator who will read the funny passages mm-hmm. of prose that are very essential to Terry Pratchett stuff. That's why I haven't liked any of the TV ones. Because you lose that. You yeah. lose all the narrative asides and all the footnotes and all and the, the funny... the voice of that is so strong yes. that losing it feels like you're losing half of the book. Well, that's to, to go back to Douglas Adams for a second. It's like not having the book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such an essential... Because you're being guided through a place you're not familiar mm-hmm. with. You need to be told, look, Omnia is here and the Discworld actually mm-hmm. does exist on the back of a giant turtle and so on and so on. Like, that's important information. Mm-hmm. And the actors they got were also very good. Very good. I the the Vorbis was great. Om was great. Yep. Uh, Didactylus is like sort of a working class Englishy sounding guy, which was a good choice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, they they play that up like they're all mm-hmm. hanging out in the pub. Yeah. And they're all like, uh, uh, "Is truth beauty or beauty truth?" Yeah. They're they're philosophers for hire kind yeah. of. Thing. Yeah. We will think for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so any kind of final thoughts or anything? We're, we're, I know we're running a little long. We're running very long. I love this book so mm-hmm. much. Yes. I don't want to edit for the next 10 years. Let's yes. wrap it up. 10 hours. <laughs> 10 hours a book, 10 hours a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, something I did want to mention is uh, this came up in a previous episode, but we didn't have time to talk about it. Oh, yes. Uh, the Death of Rats shows yes. up in this. Um, Made his first appearance in Reaper Man. Yeah. And we, we, uh, we had some technical difficulties, mentioned it the first time, mm-hmm. lost the recording. Recording, had to re-record and lost 
explaining this. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the reason behind the name of our podcast is there was a death of everything, but the death of rats and the death of fleas stick around. Mm-hmm. And so he shows up in this when a ship is dying to take care of all of the rats. So <laughs> death, death of rats, death of podcasts. Yeah, we, if it's you a were thing, curious. It's a thing we need to say out loud. And now we have. Good job. Yes. Uh, Great so job. For our uh, for our cliche count, uh, all we have all of them this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we had one well, quantum. Hey. Yes, one quantum, one th- something that happens to other people. Two surreptitious, three susurrations, and four gingerlies. Susuration <laughs> three. Yes. Now I count susurrus susurrations. Yeah. You three. know, like all the forms of that. But yes, that's a very unusual word to use three times. We we have gotten to the point where we will like you know mm-hmm. take a drink mm-hmm. when we hear it in the audiobook. We usually cheer. Yep, gingerly. <laughs> How did he do it? He did it gingerly. In what manner did he do it? Uh huh. <laughs> I will be very interested when this is all over to see which one has the most, and then I assume you will give it some kind of award. Mm-hmm. Of course, the award that happens to other people. Probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid joke. <laughs> Speaking of stupid jokes, Amanda, what non-existent, nonsensical letter grade did you give this book? Oh, I gave it an A minus eleven. Of course you did. She recently gave one of them an A and a half. <laughs> she should not grade papers. This was very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Matt, I think you understand the exercise a little better. What did yes, you I gave it an A. An very actual well. grade that exists. <laughs> How many is it plus or minus eleven? Uh, gets a little muddy at the bottom. What is a sleven? <laughs> you know. A lucky no. number sleven. Come on, man, pay attention. Is that just like 7-Eleven, but you're drunk? I gotta go to sleven for some more cheap liquor. <laughs> well, I've definitely been drunk at a 7-Eleven, so maybe. Sleven. <laughs> I give it a B plus, and again, I'm grading on a curve mm-hmm. because I know there are A's and A pluses mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't like it. As much, it's just there's a couple coming that are better than this is all. B plus. Needed more Vimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 More of this, less of other things. <laughs> I don't know. There were there were a couple of passages that I felt like had were sort of well-worn ground is all. Mm-hmm. Like some mm-hmm. of the religion stuff I really liked. And then some of it was like, yeah, okay, I've read this before sure. and i didn't want to i didn't want to harp on that for this whole podcast but that does affect the grade a little bit. sure uh any any last words final things matt this this might be the only matt uh i don't know i like these books a lot they're very good books very good uh, books off the top of your head i know i'm putting you on the spot and you might not have an answer for this but mm. uh, do you do you like what are your other like say top three like what are the oh, other two books God. in your, in okay. your Discord world um, if you if you don't know, that's okay. Just, just... off the top of my head, uh, I love Nightwatch, mm-hmm. um, Hogfather, which was the first one I ever read, which is a rough choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's weird to jump. That's yeah. very much jumping in, like part of the way through. Well, the thing, my, a friend of my mom's knew I was into hitchhikers, and she like she got me into Discworld. She bought it for mm-hmm. me for Christmas one year, and, and I guess it was the newest one out in paperback. So mm-hmm. right, that makes sense. Also, it's Christmas, Christmas book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god. No, I know it's putting you on the spot. Yeah. I, you I mean, weren't prepared to answer that's, a, that's pretty good ones right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Guards and uh, Death, Watch my is favorite one of the guys. best ones. Nightwatch oh. is good, and the concept of it is so dumb. I didn't read I'm... Nightwatch forever because I read the back. I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking idea. Yeah, Me it, too. It is. It is very dumb. And then you read it, and it's like, wait a minute. This, this is, is amazing. Fantastic. It's yeah. everything I hate, but it yep. was yeah, right? so good. Yep. 
Yeah, you're really not into all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, we didn't pick a pune or play on words. And oh, there's, yeah. There is not one in our documents, so oh. I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> we picked one before the episode. Give me one sec. Well, you we could use the one that you chose, which is FedEx. Uh, that no, is that's quite terrible. terrible. Um, oh, they're usually terrible, is the thing. They're almost always terrible. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, said Ern, grinning. Use your left hand, do you? Uh, I use both, said Brother, but not very well, everyone says. Ah, said Didactylus. Ambi Sinister? Yeah, that is very clever. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not one of those where it's like Amanda's pinning me down and making me listen to listen, it. Listen! <laughs> listen to the joke! Ugh. That's actually a good one. So, yeah. Uh, any... Anything, I guess that's it. Um, yeah. This is a weird thing to ask Matt. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Well, golly, Al, I do all of them with you, so... <laughs> Yeah, but I don't plug our, my own stuff that much on this show. So. What do you plug every week? Okay, so Al and I do the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast that has ever existed, the Post-Atomic Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes out every Monday and is a review of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I be if on that sometimes. You do be yes, on that sometimes. Quite frequently. Yes. Uh, postatomichorror.com on iTunes. And my so episodes forth. are the best ones. Mm-hmm. So I have heard from you. <laughs> Uh, we also do uh, the new our new sh- uh, sh- our new Star Trek fanfic show uh, yes. Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Endeavor. I also love Endeavor. I play mm-hmm. the best fictional character ever written. That is true. That is certainly what you think. Uh, <laughs> Although uh, Epis- Matt's wife likes the one that that you know I'm trying to make everyone's mm-hmm. favorite. So. Yeah, but she doesn't know she doesn't watch Star Trek. So yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, the no, newest episode it, of that just landed on the first, so oh no, Matt, this this episode will be posting in September. Or oh October. my god, that's right. Okay, I don't know what the fuck we'll be up to by then, but you should definitely mm-hmm. listen to it. Yes, it is ussendeavor.com. It is a Star Trek fanfic project. We are very very proud of it. Um, and re- review this show on iTunes, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't care about that. Amanda might. I don't want to speak. Yeah, to everyone folks. say how good it is. Sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.